We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. It is another episode of our Ted Lasso Rewatch Season 3, Episode 4. I am recording this uh, like right after we finished recording. The episode has dropped tonight, uh, so it is Ted Lasso is live. I'm going to try to get this up uh, before midnight tonight, so you folks who have just finished watching Ted Lasso have something to dive into on Wednesday morning. Um, of that note... There will be minimal editing in this episode, so if it's got a few more ums, a few more clicks, a few more weird spaces, that's that's just the price for speed. Tonight it's me, it's Caroline Darney, Mike Golick Jr. making his first appearance at the season. Excited to have Mike, Alex McDaniel, uh, taking a little breather this week, feeling a little under the weather, but we will likely have her back next week for what I'm sure is a lot of takes. Um, we note this in the episode, but the so far Apple has only released the first four screeners, so with that being said, we're now, you know, we're not getting the episodes ahead of time. So likely moving forward, we will be moving these recap episodes back to our probably our normal episode date of Mondays, maybe a little little sooner because we'll have to watch it when it comes out, record after the fact uh, and, and go from there. So um, before we get into it, want to shout out our Big Screen Sports Patreon group, especially our producer-level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Eager, Mike Drees, Chris Mykoski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBow, Dan McFall, Kevin Inkleman, Mac Lindsay, and Classic Stadium Fire. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash bigscreensports. You get schedule updates. You get to vote on movies for the show to cover. You get to vote on the movie that is going to be picked as the first Big Screen Sports live watch which is going to happen this month. So that's exciting. Uh, and, you know, you get to help us out, which which is great. Uh, with that, because I need to get, to get to editing the episode that me, Mike, and Caroline just recorded, let's talk Ted Lasso Season 3, Episode 4, Big Week. 
All right, returning to Big Screen Sports to break down the latest episode of Ted Lasso. It is my co-host uh, from For the Win, from Bet For the Win, is Caroline Darney from the Gojo podcast, Mike Golick Jr. Guys, this Ted Lasso episode, did it leave us with the most anxieties hanging off the end of it than any Ted Lasso episode previously? Buddy, let me tell you, this one had a lot of emotion in it. There was a little bit, we got a little bit of closure at the end for one thing, I think, which is a little good. bit, little, little bit of little, that, but for the little most bit part, of closure, I, I had a stomach ache and I thought it was tied to the amount of uh, yogurt covered raisins that I've eaten <laughs> in the last 36 hours. But really it was just because this whole episode may be deeply uncomfortable with all these anxieties. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot, a lot of different things. Almost every set of characters, we, we have these pods and almost everyone had something going on that we've got a lot of questions about for the rest of the season. Before we get into it, uh, Mike, tell the folks about Gojo, where they can find it, what you guys have coming up. Uh, yeah, uh, you can find it wherever you get your podcast. You can watch it on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the, I just found out there's a tab that just says podcasts when you go on the YouTube <laughs> channel and the Gojo with Michael Oak Jr. podcast is like the third one down. So we throw every episode up on there um, at Gojo show on Twitter and yeah, we'll have some good draft content coming up. Um, and hopefully some more to announce about what we're going to do and how we're going to cover the draft here pretty soon. And uh, yeah, we're a, a rocking good time and a couple of handsome chaps talking about sports. And Area 51. <laughs> yes, and campaigning that the champions in various sports should no longer be subject to going to the White House, but should instead get to see the mysteries of Area 51 and the aliens <laughs> and various like hidden aircrafts that likely live there. It's like yeah. Armageddon. I'm, I'm also not sure Kim Mulkey can, can get clearance into the, into the uh, white house. Not so this white be house. Best, best, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> might be the best of both worlds. It's like Armageddon where like each champion coach gets to ask like one deep, dark secret thing. Like who, who killed JFK? It's just between us, just between yeah. us. <laughs> I, I don't want to know what Kim Mulkey is going to ask. No, because it's, it's not going to be based or on what she's going to wear. Don't want to know either. Yeah. Okay. We we've hit our Kim Mulkey quota. <laughs> Caroline, <laughs> tell the folks what's going on at Bet for the Win. What do you have coming up? Yeah, we've got all sorts of hashtag content over at forthewin.usatoday.com. Um, you can find betting stuff heading into college baseball season, heading into NBA postseason is allegedly coming up. Clearly excited about that. Been following all of the pro basketball, um, but we also have a lot of Masters content. If you like the mm. the golf, it's the you hit most the links. wonderful week. Of <laughs> hello, the year. hello, friends. Hello, dude. Friends. He made me cry. Well, until I remember like... that he's going to come back and hand out the trophy. Apparently, every year still, which is an oh, incredible really? flex because he's yes. taking. You're assuming he is taking a private flight to wherever they're doing the championship game, and gets so. It, handing the trophy means he's doing that he's doing the interview too so he's taking it from the play-by-play -play guy yep. the play-by-play -play guy will not get to do the interview with the coach which is interesting but it's like private jet 10 to 15 minutes of work that's a pretty sweet deal 
Yeah. Jim Nance okay. has arrived well, at that Dickie V place in college basketball where you just get to walk into the house at any time, kick your feet up and open up a beer from the fridge because like, you basically helped build the thing. And yeah, yeah. just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jim Nance yeah. and his uh, he has a, uh, a vineyard, his own vineyard vines yes. collection, and he, too, which he is he styled incredible. himself for the final four, which is such a flex where it's like Jim's attire brought to you by Jim Nance for vineyard vines. Like what a flex. But yeah, anyway, so <laughs> master's content um a ton of master's content so please come over check out the master's content because um my assistant managing editor blake did an outstanding job planning amazing coverage so come see the content um and i'm gonna go see mario this week and tell you about that maybe also find time to go see air which i really want to see have you seen um, john wick four already yes <laughs> do it I, have I, have you? Not, I have not yet got it. I haven't either. Before. It's really good. It's probably like 30 minutes too long. It's a long movie. It's like two hours and 49 minutes or something. Like it's good. a, it's a, it's a <laughs> lot. It's what I but need. Donnie Yen should be in everything. Oh <laughs> it's so good. And just say this, I don't count these as spoiler warnings. So I think it's something people need to know. There have been, there's been a dog in some of the promo stuff. Do not worry. The dog makes it. The dog is fine. Yes. Normally, like normally, I'd feel like I don't have to say that, but this is John Wick, so yeah, it's a very good German Shepherd. She's fantastic, steals the show. So, highly Love recommend. That. It was excellent. Love that. Well, everyone and go, go see Dungeons and Dragons. By the way, Dungeons and that Dragons is a- also slapped. So much fun. So when you much texted fun. me that, I was <laughs> I was so surprised when you were like pretty good. I was like, really? And then I've heard nothing but good yeah. things about it since. Yeah, and it's I'm really like, funny. And oh, so. Yeah. John Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly are the two guys who did like horrible bosses and game night. And John Francis Daly is a guy from Freaks and Geeks, and he was also in Bones mm-hmm. for like several seasons. Um, and they also wrote Spider-Man Homecoming, which I found mm-hmm. out before I interviewed them for stuff, but glad that I didn't geek out over just that because there was a real slim chance they're just gonna be like tell me about writing homecoming um (laughs) but they were they're just really funny and really witty and they both played a ton of dungeons and dragons and they made it something that was like highly accessible to the casual fan who hadn't played it but also had plenty of nods to i guess people did play it according to the when you go see screeners in person they have like one usher that's there to watch you so there's just me and this guy in the theater um so that i can't like film it i don't know so i'm assuming I, that's what he's there for i enjoy that that's like the screener version of when you get a drug test playing sports <laughs> yeah. and there's just one 70 <laughs> year old man who's got to watch me drop my pants to my ankles and pull my shirt up to my nipples <laughs> and i this is off the rails already but in flight school we had um because you like the only people that get consistently drug tested are people that like work for the government or in sports basically so there would be like days where like base wide you know like or whatever everyone in flight school had to go get drug tested and so you didn't know obviously until day of and so then they're like we need 10 guys and six girls to like volunteer as like viewers (laughs) And there were six of us that were there. We were all roped into this. Oh, guys, oh. <laughs> like the worst day. And this is just you stand in a bathroom for like two and a half hours, and this is all you did. <laughs> it was terrible. 
Join the Navy, see the world. Tough day at the office. It's <laughs> a great lead in for this episode. You're welcome, everybody. Perfect. Oh, Perfect. That lasso. Well, on that note, the some some quick uh, housekeeping notes. Um, one, uh, obviously, Alex McDaniel not here this week. She's take, taking a week off. She will be be back next week uh, with her with some fiery takes. Don't I'm worry, sure, I will say Amsterdam a few times just to make sure we get our quota. Yes. Well, and and Alex has been um he she's been on on a heater about the the Ted Becca movement and mm-hmm. you know the people pushing for that. And I think this is an episode that lends credence to those. I think those those that contingent of folks will run with this episode quite a bit. Do um, you? With one one scene. Oh yeah, the the scene of them in the office. Oh yeah. Her using Oklahoma? They're going to they're going to Eat that shit up. Interesting. That's one of the um, scenes other, cry. other housekeeping note, you might be listening to this episode the day, or I guess the, the morning after the latest episode of Ted Lasso has dropped. This will be the last one of those because uh, in our first episode, uh, Caroline <laughs> mentioned that the, uh, the the bounty of screeners was plentiful. The bounty has dried up. <laughs> no longer <laughs> the gone bad. We are watching it. We will now be watching it when it drops, like everybody else. With the commoners. This is the worst. We walk down but, from my ivory tower here and smoke this Ted Lasso crack with you guys. Yeah. So <laughs> Alex, Alex has the theory that they that she thinks that pe- maybe it's because five is something that they could not risk at all getting out. So yeah. maybe you know maybe it's for good reason. But regardless, tonight we are here to talk about Ted Lasso season three, episode four, big week. Everyone's feeling the pressure as Richmond gears up to play West Ham. Ted is reunited with an old friend. Um, guys, we open every one of these with some some questions, and this kind of relates to what I, I asked when we started. This is an episode with a lot of curious facial expressions to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Keely about both Jamie and Jack. Uh, Michelle about Ted. Nate about Ted. What of these unsaid things are are you most burning on in this episode, Caroline? I'll start with you, but there's a lot of things that I have questions about. Who are what pairing are you most like burning on at the end of this episode? So I really am curious about Michelle's expression after they hang up at the very very end, because I think there's a lot that we've talked about with the way that, in what is clear to me in this episode, is Ted doesn't confront people for better or for worse. Like I think there's something that's very healthy about the way that he approaches relationships and confrontation. And Kyle, you sent us a screenshot. I think someone on Facebook or Reddit that talked about, you know, help me, Nate, what can I learn here? Mm -hmm. As opposed to like, you know, yelling at him or getting angry. It was something approaching this confrontation is like, let me figure out what I can learn from this and grow from this and et cetera. But at a certain point, you cannot solely operate that way. And I think that's what we saw Uh, exhibited so well this episode both with I think the way a lot of knowing glances or heavy glances between Roy and Beard about Ted and his relationship with Nate (laughs) those are a lot of pieces I feel like Charlie Day like like, (laughs) um, about not having any emotion or anger going into this rematch with Nate and then we finally see you know in the the back and forth of that scene is who is Ted calling like because they keep showing Nate the Lego in the you know thing that he built with this kid the stadium he built with the son and so you don't know who he's calling until 
Michelle picks up and he just gets it off his chest. I think he does it in a very respectful way. And he says, I'm pissed. You know, earlier in the episode, he'd scroll through all the texts that go back three, four years. I don't know what timeline we're supposed to be on with Ted, if this is like real time, but 2019 is the text that they showed us with the extremely inappropriate relationships she has with their marriage counselor or therapist. So yeah. I think that one. Therapist it, so, turn yeah. marriage counselor, turn boyfriend. Yes. That normal chain of events. You know, normal things. Um, normal so when, things. when he hangs up after saying his piece, basically, and it wasn't an argument, it wasn't a fight, it wasn't even really a discussion, um, which I think was good. Um, she has this kind of like smile. Like she's happy with the way that went. Cause I think this is like one of the few times like he didn't. And again, part of their breakup was because she thought he was too happy all the time or that she felt she had to constantly be happy to match his energy. Um, and then the small one that I will throw in there is Rebecca and Bex. I loved mm-hmm. that. Loved look. their dynamics. Yeah. This episode loved it. They were, it was excellent. I thought. Yeah, I the that the look that Bex gave Rebecca walking out after the match as she sort of also chided Rupert was one of those things that I know the conflict that's building there about Rupert and his continued ways be like that lends me to believe that Bex kind of knows. Yeah. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. she's going to be surprised by anything that's happening here, but it is nice to see that maybe that's also a catalyst for why she's kind of reaching out this little bit of emotional olive branch for Rebecca is because she kind of sees what she's been dealing with now and yeah. why she has gotten to the place that she's at. And Rebecca's um, like, she's not the enemy. <laughs> Yes, exactly. It's, yeah, it, which you know, this is for a category that we will get to later on. But I, I, I am having the worst mental brain block right now. Keely's friend that works with her. Why do I always forget her name? Shandy. Shan- Shandy. So I met and I met Shandy at the Ted Lasso after party that I went to. It's I probably get- good you hadn't seen these episodes yeah. before doing that. One hundred percent. I was. Li- I, I remembered as soon as I saw her on screen. I went. Oh, bleep, because I was standing with Sarah Spain and her husband to go and say hi to Jason Sudeikis and, like, try and take up a little bit of his very valuable time. And as I'm standing there, Shandy is standing next to me. And she's like, oh, are you an actor? And her, like, lovely British accent. And I said, oh, no, I'm just, you know, like a a friend of a friend here hanging out. I was like, are you? And she goes, oh, yeah, I'm on the show. And she's like, I just wanted to say goodbye to Jason. And I was like, oh, well, you should probably go in front of me in line. I was like, I haven't seen her yet. I guess she's a new character on the show. And now I know. So Shandy, if you're listening to this podcast, it was lovely to meet you. Uh, I was the big piggish American man hanging out <laughs> creepily over by Ted Lasso looking like security. But um, maybe she saw the Notre Dame uniform reveal and thought you, you're the guy from that. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Clearly That's true. acting chops. Um, but I would, I would say, I would say her and Keely, like, I think we got a little bit of it at the end of the episode, but we've been tiptoeing around this idea of, Keely made a decision based on the potential she saw in someone that she considered a friend. And when Rebecca did that same thing with her and now, you know, we even heard it said by Jack when they're in the bathroom stall in one of the funniest scenes in the episode, pay it forward. Like Keely's been trying to pay it forward to her friend and the way that Keely honored the opportunity that Rebecca gave her her friend has not really done the same. And so we finally saw a little bit of Keely not quite going as far as Ted did in really saying his feelings out loud, but it was the first time she even pushed back as she was so excited about 
how Shandy had gone and done this first project that she had pitched with the club. And then at the end to see that she had kind of betrayed her trust in the way that she rolled that out. I want to see now what Keeley's action step is going to be next, because that seems to be her kind of character arc that we're doing outside of the her and Roy drama. Mm-hmm. And and that leads into, I have just a lot of questions. I'm not understanding exactly what the vibe is with Jack and Keeley. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't exactly sure what she is. Is was that an evaluation? Cause like Jack has a lot invested in Keeley. She's backing her, her PR firm, um, you know, she they linked up like Keely's obviously running things for banter, which seems like quite the um, quite the operation for for Jack and that that VC firm as well. So I, I'm I I could sense Keely had some nervousness around her, and I'm wondering what Jack had some curious facial expressions, like not displeasure, but like um, we're kind of concerned, like yeah. Almost, yeah. I don't, don't want to get crazy, but a little bit of sexual tension almost. Am I really? crazy there? No? Okay. I, I didn't read that personally, but I am also, you know, criminally single <laughs> into my 30s, so I might be bad at understanding well, when sexual same. tension is in the room. So maybe I'm misreading. <laughs> no, I don't mean like, I don't mean like giving them the eyes or whatever. Sure. Like, you know, but it was a much more than... It wasn't, I didn't find it condescending. I didn't think she was like judging Keely or thinking that she was like bad at her job. You know, there definitely was the stress from Keely. First of all, Mike, do you watch For All Mankind? I don't know. Oh my God, you guys. This is Ellen from For All Mankind. It took me forever to place her because they hadn't listed the, um, like actors yet because they don't they hadn't shared whatever and so I was like on the Ted Lasso page I'm like where is she who is she because I could just picture anyway so you all should watch everyone listening should watch for all mankind if you're watching Ted Lasso it means you have Apple plus like just do it it's so good so good um but yeah she I think she's such a great pick because she was very just mysterious because you could read a lot of things from the interactions and the she liked to be mysterious in the sense that like all of the interactions with the women together and Higgins, no notes. Perfect. He like tells the old joke about like the surgeon and they all give a different answer. And I think I have been Higgins (laughs) so many times in that scenario. Like I, I felt that deep in my soul. Just well, well-meaning, but unfortunately not equipped. Yeah, that is my yeah. life, brother. Uh, I'm right there with you. It was so I, good. I will say it's funny that you describe her as mysterious. As wasn't that one of the like descriptive affirmation words that Keely said to Rebecca that she was trying to present when she was walking upstairs? I forget if yes. like mysterious was one of those in there yes. or not, but all of the things that Keely talked about wanting to present are exactly what Jack presented in that scenario. Well, it's, Mm -hmm. it's coming into the way that you would approach trying to, this, uh, this is how I would look at it. Try, I have, would have a different mindset or way that you would go about things. If you're trying to relate to or show a male money donor, how if you're going into expecting Jack to be like an older gentleman versus a young woman is a different, like you're just, I would be thrown off just like Keely was. Mm-hmm. And not well, and like, when you've, like you, and when you've shared a very intimate moment together already. <laughs> so I texted Alex. And I was like, I can't believe you leave. No, I was just like, I can't believe we won't be able to have this moment. I don't think this is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Um, and those like, 
the ask for help in the bathroom is such a normal (laughs) asking for toilet paper asking for help with something else like um so that whole scene was just fantastic and especially keely in her perfect keely way (laughs) um even the banter that they had when they got back after that where she's like i think you have something of mine what a line what never in the history of like public tampon discourse have i heard something so incredible (laughs) um but it also was something that i didn't really realize until we're talking about now is like outside of i mean shandy shandy in this situation but like you have rebecca you have jack you have keely with her own company now and then the um cfo which you still have to you know like that's a pretty high level position for Mm -hmm. most places if i'm not all places um that was like it's a really powerful group of women standing in this like football suite and it was a really cool moment that's also where like the with the leslie higgins i really wanted them to have a moment of like a uh feminine junior or whatever it's like a masculine junior and a feminine junior where he's like oh is it short for jacqueline yeah (laughs) (laughs) is that your first name yeah, or it's so short good. for my dad really wanted a son. <laughs> <laughs> Priceless. <laughs> poor poor Higgins in that moment. Um, before we dive into the categories, let's talk about kind of the third big relationship of the episode and or the third big theme, and that is the um the the first meeting of Ted and Nate since uh since Nate's you know Nate Nate's abrupt departure from Richmond. I thought Nick Muhammad was awesome in this episode. From from the fan- jump, the the wave the ti- like the wave of emotions that that man had to ride, and so much of it with his with his just his face, so much unsaid about how he's feeling, the tone in which he's speaking, the just when he gets out the word like Ted about how I left in the tone, and Ted, Ted of just how he reads people had to know in Nate's like so much unsaid in, in, yeah. in the tone and, and how Nate put that. But then also the outward, the, the tough outward shell that Nate tries to project that, that we then see after he's in contact with Rupert. And this man is just being pulled in, in a thousand different ways by a, a nature that we know can be gentle and sweet and funny. And this kind of angry broken person that we see in depth in that video when when they watch it like that to me was devastating devastating like that that was someone who was extremely hurt and lashed out in in the wrong way but what did mike what did you take about the the meeting you know the the reuniting between ted and nate i think it's fair to say nick muhammad might have the two best acting performances in this entire entire show all on his own right between like the episode where we see him lashing out at Ted at the end and the range of emotions that he puts on display there and the frustration. Like I remember walking out of the back end of season two, thinking a lot about what he did there. And you could argue that same thing here because you're right there. The efficiency when it comes to words versus what's conveyed with Nate in this episode are staggering like you get all of the interactions that you see with Rupert where you start to see the yo-yo effect of how this person plays with him you see that side by side with the scene between Ted and Rebecca that puts that relationship as the direct foil scene after scene of Rupert walking out of the office and saying Mr. Mannion to Nate 
after he has what is the closest thing we'll get to a sort of sweet moment with him where Nate is still this deeply insecure person looking to the people he believes are these masculine figures he's trying to emulate. And then you see when he's taken away from those moments, going back to the restaurant where so much of his pride was the subject of last season, he goes back in there and he is talking to the hostess at the front and is immediately like Jade has immediately stripped him back down to the most vulnerable version of himself that we see outside of that one attempted interaction with Ted. So it it was, it was amazing to watch and like honestly really heartening because we had all talked, I think before the season in different terms about what might be in store for Nate. And this was the first time we saw where we said, okay, redemption is very much on the table for Nate because he's starting to see what he does not want to be clearly on a daily basis. And you see it from like the jump in this episode. Cause the very beginning, first of all, we had that tabletop soccer game. It is not fun. Very boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it also like you, every time you see Nate, he's in his gear, right? Like he's always even at home, like prepping stuff and he's, he's clearly schematically an excellent coach um you see that in the you know end of the second half whatever but he flicks the little soccer ball at the little ted character and knocks it to the floor and immediately it's like oh i and felt and when he picks him back and put on the table i didn't catch it the first time i watched it but he does this like there we go like that's better like that kind of sound like which is funny because when you think about ted and his own toy he didn't put nate back in ted's son was the one that prompted him to put back in which is just kind of interesting to think about Mm -hmm. and and that goes i think still goes back to like ted has deep hurt from that interaction with nate that i think that he does need to have the same type of reaction that he did with Michelle and like the healthy, like you have to, <laughs> the like, um, the, what is beard, beard and chain go to? Oh, um, code, codependent, codependent anonymous. anonymous. So good. <laughs> 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 it's so perfect. Um, but we also see, you know, Nate is still battling with, he wants to be tough. He wants to be respected. He wants people to think that he's good at his job. Um, and so when the reporter asks him about snubbing Ted at the end of the episode, at the end of the game, he's like, did I? Oh, oh God. You know, like, you know, that I was caught up in the emotions. And so you see that actually affected him. Like he did not mean to like be rude in that moment, even if several times we've seen him being a complete asshole. Um, and then it's the he's he is about to go talk to Ted when Ted's like ready to leave, whatever. And instead he gets the invite to um the honey place, the private Bones club. And honey. Bones the, and the honey, side, which, of, which, side of beard after hours. Yes, which we've seen before. And so that throws him out of this moment of like not full redemption yet, because it's gonna take time. We've got how many more episodes? Um and because he's still so drawn to this feeling of like Rupert wants to meet me at this private club. But then when he gets there, it's still the same conflict with he gets the martini, tries it, spits it back out. Like he's not the martini guy. You know, he has this interaction with this. I, I think she's probably what an actress or model that like Rupert introduces him to. But then he sees Rupert with the secretary. And it's clear, like, that's not something that like Nate's not okay with that. So it's like throughout the episode, it's everything that Nate is like babbling with internally shown to you on so many different small bite-sized things I think they did really 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 well where it's like 
okay mike's right you can see like this is the start of where he's not dead inside like he's still and also the door scene perfect use Mm -hmm. of oh bringing someone to their you can humble someone real quick. We can <laughs> <laughs> I remember Mike, the first time Mike came to Charlottesville, we went to get sandwiches and I thought I could pull through in the space. You know, Mike, and I drove over the yes. concrete thing. <laughs> Every single time I go to the dairy market, I'm like, you idiot, Caroline. You idiot. <laughs> oh, it, it was, weekly. it was such a perfect first meeting. Like just like icebreaker for two people who already knew each other to just be like, Oh yeah. All right. We're, oh we're, 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 we're the same person. I mean, nothing humbled Nate, like the, the manager of the Greek restaurant saying, uh, do you know who this is? And Jade saying, yeah, Jason jelly. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jade, man. I love oh, her. Jade. That's that cold dead stare. I love the spray and then just the wiping of the like menus through the, the spray in the air. So she's good. perfect. Uh, so great. Uh, before we get into best scenes, let's take a quick ad break and we'll be back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so best scene. This one is a is a kind of a classic Ted Lasso episode. Like I think if we were to do our this might be, you know, uh this might be recency bias. I think if we were to do our episode draft again, I think this is one that would go very early. Um, because it has a lot of big emotional weighty scenes buoyed by kind of side scenes that have that that are funny and, and bring something like even think about we open with Roy waking Jamie up for a workout, which is something that pairing we haven't talked about yet. But that's like that's really funny. It's endearing. Jamie sleeps like Winnie the Pooh. Like it's, <laughs> it's when he when he asks him why he's like sometimes I get hot upstairs and cold or no hot downstairs and cold, and cold upstairs. Up. Yeah, and Roy's it's, like. Oh. <laughs> There's so much, but it's like there, there's the funny mix with the the emotion. But if we're talking about the best scenes, like you know, th- this is this is what holds this. These are the pillars of this episode. I think of of things early. I actually think Sassy and Ted's morning after is interesting yes. when they talk about mm-hmm. being a mess. I think that's a very good conversation between two people who have have walked similar paths, and one of them is just farther along that path. Um, I, I, I did like Nate returning to the restaurant. It's not a pillar, but, um, the, 
Rebecca's visit to Ted's office. Mm-hmm. That's when she says, you know, uses Oklahoma, uses that term. I think, I think the Ted Becca folks are going to, you know, take that, uh, take, take that very, very, very seriously. Uh, the elevator reuniting between, <laughs> between Ted and Nate. Uh, <laughs> Is your father a tree? Oh, speaking of trees, who are y'all rooting for today? Which is, I just got that. A gem. A oh, gem. wow. I just got that, too. Oh, my God. I'm a big, dumb baby. Oh, my God. Uh, um, and then Nate's standing in the corner like it's yeah. the end of the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> oh, I didn't see you there. That one's, that one's Root, so good. Who are you rooting for? Oh, oh shit. Wow. I missed that. Uh, and then, and then Ted standing up for himself with Michelle. But I mean, you could go anywhere with a. Gr- there are so many great scenes in this episode. Like, I, I, I was having to, like Caroline. You, you wrap this one. What stands out to you? Um, them finding out that the believe sign is ripped, and then how it got ripped. I think mm-hmm. is a huge piece of this one because it's it's something that a lot of people learn. But one of the people that does not learn what happened is Ted he knew exactly I mean like he probably hadn't seen the process through which Nate and it's easy to like and I don't blame like Roy or Beard for Mm -hmm. laughing at that at all like but I also found it just unbearably sad like the trying to figure out starting with him jumping to tear the sign down and not being big enough to reach it and then going to get the worst possible tool with which to but at that moment you're so mad and so hurt that you're not thinking Mm -hmm. through what might happen so i think that part is so instrumental yeah i mean the first (laughs) you kind of like oh and then you're like oh oh Yeah. God, it's well, it's the, they're not seeing it through the same way Ted is seeing it because they didn't have that conversation right. with Nate like Ted did. Right. And they don't they've they've just got a different a different path in life than than Ted's priority. We, well, and they Ted, see him Ted as the guy. Sharon. Yeah, he, they see him as the guy that had a meltdown, ratted out something extremely personal and sensitive about Ted to the press that led to, you know, this extra scrutiny and his private life being out there and then ran off to the enemy under Rupert. Like, you know, yeah, they're, they're great teammates. Like they're doing what a great teammate would do. (laughs) And they're trying to protect the person that they're close with. They just don't realize that Ted's doing the same thing. Like we get the very purposeful shot yet again of the signed picture of Nate and Ted on Ted's nightstand. Like they keep throwing that back in our face for that exact reason. Yeah. Ted told Dr. Sharon that he, when he was, he was talking to Dr. Sharon about his dad, that he was never, he, you know, made a vow to himself or, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he wasn't going to let anyone ever get past him that, that was hurting or not know, you know, something, something like that. And when Ted's watching that, that's, he is this person that he cares for deeply in the lowest moment of their life in, yeah. in that locker room. And, uh, so it, it's, you you can absolutely understand where Roy and Roy Beard are coming from, and, and where, where the team is coming Ted's from, from. And because an attack on the believe sign is attack on the the entire foundation that this team is built on. Like mm-hmm. that means something to them. That meant something to them in the first season. That meant so much when they got you know promoted again at the at, like in the second season. Like it means something to them still. And so that was you know, and I thought it was such a brilliant way of 
again we've talked about the the tropes or the you know cliches with sports movies or shows where you have to lose to the bad guys the first time you play them Mm -hmm. and so this i thought was such a great way of achieving that where it wasn't just they were outclassed completely it was a little breakdown at the end of the half got a little outmaneuvered little outcoached there and then when he's going to talk to rebecca who has her own deep sea like the way she comes down she's like just have a good time just have a good time have fun 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 you know like when she really is having to sit there and watch that smarmy asshole be such a jerk up there to see you know they tried something new and again they wanted him to yell at them at the end that's again that same relationship with ted where like people close to him need him to exhibit some of this anger at some point like they don't want it to constantly be that way but like we messed up (laughs) wound them up way too far and i love that whole scene like they're playing like italians yeah (laughs) i love it i love it the the Roy and Beard little tandem that's oh. going on. I'm really, really enjoying the Love scene, it. the opening scene where they're talking about their strategy, which if it is not a direct homage to the princess bride, when he's doing the thing about the poison, when he's like, <laughs> yes. if I drink it, but you know, I, but you know, I know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know it's like, it's like that. And then at the end, but will Zava agree to that? <laughs> and Roy just Fuck. <laughs> also I, for I a second, I thought you meant princess diaries again. <laughs> And I was oh, like, is that what, did I no, say you said Princess Bride. You said Princess Bride. I thought Bride, you did too for a second. Yeah. In my mind, because of last week's episode, where he's like, fuck yeah, Princess Diaries. <laughs> and I was like, when was there poison? <laughs> 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 Give me a second. This time it's personal. We are doing great. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, that no, that, re- that relationship has been absolute mana from heaven. They're, they're, you just see, it's like so many knowing little glances and just how much screen time they're getting together. Like it's purposeful. They're almost always packaged now. Like it, it's, that's been a wonderful duo. Kyle, you brought up what I thought was the most important scene was sassy and Ted at the beginning of the episode, so because good. it's Ted's preoccupation for the rest of the episode. And it's the reason, like, I know it's not in Ted's nature to do what they wanted to do there, but just in general, this was the first episode where Ted's mind was clearly elsewhere the entire time. This match only mattered so much to him because he was so focused and kept asking everyone, am I a mess? And at the end of the episode, when he talks about, I love you, I love, like, I love our family, all of that. It's like that full circle moment that we all figure, which is him realizing, like, I'm not supposed to be over here anymore. And I think that's starting to kind of at least subtly for me creep in because I don't want it like I don't mean this like as fully harsh as it sounds, but he was kind of checked out for this episode. Mm-hmm. Like Beard, like Beard and and Roy are both there earlier and later than Ted is, yeah. by and large, for the most part in the lead up to this week. Because again, his thoughts are all back home trying to figure out how he's going to have this conversation with his wife. And everyone else wants to tell him about, this is what you need to do with Nate. And this is what you need to do with us. And he takes and internalizes all that. And he goes, no, I need to have this conversation with the other most important person in my world. None of the rest of this really matters in the same way. Yeah. And while we've seen Ted not be as dialed into winning or obsessed with winning is say beard like him and beard have that little you know 
like scrum when Beard is talking about, yes, this is important. Um, is that season two? I think when yeah. season two or season one. Yeah. But, but we've seen Ted on the sideline, especially when it's, uh, when they, they, the, uh, the game against Jamie, the end of season 10, when they find out they just need to tie, like Ted's invested in this. Yeah. And Mike, Mike, you're exactly right. Like he is, he is not all there for this game. Like he is, this is not what he's living and dying on. There's something elsewhere, which is like, that's, that's sports. Like you watch sports on TV and they're going to be. There are going to be some guys out there who you might not know it, but their mind couldn't be less into that game. There is just something going on. I am about as far as you can get from Ted Beckham because I am full on Ted sassy. Like I love sassy. So that whole scene was so great where she was where, well, first of all, I was devastated because I did want them to go on a date because that was super cute. <laughs> Loved it. Um, he's like, you have a good time, right? She's like, this Marlboro man. Um, <laughs> he the the line where she's like i'm more i loved it because she's saying like i was you and she gave the whole description about how like the back of the cab looked like you know when i forget what the description was the shining elevator oh yeah after all the red wine she drank um i drank red wine (laughs) through a straw yes um and she's like i'm you three years further along i'm more of a slight disarray um and he said we're like a slight disarray of sunshine and she's like oh god she hated the puns loved it um is this also where we share our uber ratings (laughs) yeah i i actually i i looked at mine recently i'm a four six nine four nine six excuse me four nine six hey um let me see here double check that four eight one four eight one does Lyft give you a rating? I've been writing a lot with Lyft lately. I have two. 484. My guy's got you squeaked. <laughs> um, doesn't oh, Lyft my, doesn't give you a rating. Got down. I, forgot to, I forgot to rate my last driver. Oh, I stand correct. My Lyft rating is a five. Same! <laughs> I feel like Lyft is grading on a pretty soft scale then. There's no way I've been that pleasant this entire time. Although I... <laughs> I have ridden Lyft a lot more, like north of thirty. So if you were getting me an Uber in my mid to late twenties, you were not seeing the best. A lot riskier. Yeah, I famously gaslit a cab driver in Chicago once, yelling at him for trying to charge me for throwing up in his cab, saying (laughs) I absolutely did not do this while I was covered in vomit. I, I will never forget it. I went home from Social 25 in Chicago. I left for a trip the next morning. I got out of the cab. He tried to yell at me to do that. I said, I didn't throw up in your cab. I'm not paying for shit. I go back. I take off my clothes. I go to bed. I go to the airport. I come back home a week later. Oh, my shirt God. is in the corner of the room covered in vomit. And it was like the drunken recall scenes from oh, Beer Fest. No. Where it all flashed back in. <laughs> And I just remembered having my head leaned up against the glass in the cab and just going right down my chest. (laughs) (laughs) That poor cab driver had to feel insane. If you couldn't handle me during my Uber days, you don't deserve me during my Lyft days. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I absolutely love that scene. And she, as much as I hate to admit it, because I want them to get together, she has a point. And, Mm. you know, it's what sets, you're right, like, really that thought the stress or the where he was mentally this week would you could say should have been how he thought about the nate relationship but because of what sassy said heading into it 
that was because i mean even they did the diamond dog scene was excellent by the oh, way so good excellent so good. of course return of the diamond dogs perfect um and so when he says like in my mess they stop barking <laughs> beard's like yes <laughs> but then they say like you need to talk like are you talking about like nate stuff like yes like this is a thing and he's like no no i'm talking about what sassy said like that kind of thing and so everyone else knows that this needs to be addressed um but i thought it was such an interesting way to handle it and such they're so good they're so good at this you guys so good they're so yeah. good at and, this. I, and i have no doubt that ted is going to put the work in in the nate relationship i, th- I think he's going to make mm-hmm. a major overture because nate's going to need that um let's start rolling through the categories laughing liam award who was the funniest character in this episode i thought this episode spread the ball a lot with the humor like I, I actually had trouble picking out singularly one person who was who was really funny. Can I can I say Roy can I say Roy and Beard together like as that tag team because every time they were on screen I was giggling. I think so. I, I think so. <laughs> I, I love I love watching them in her life. I love an odd couple, and I think that's kind of an odd couple. I mean, the, the, those two men are fairly different. Although Roy like dark and moody, you know, Beard has his intricacies. Like they're they're both they'd both be the odd version of the odd couple. They're both warming up to each other though. Like Roy's comfortable now. Roy's settled into this as his life. And so he's treating them like his teammates now, which is fun. It makes me think back to the scene where Keely comes in asking for something and they both like don't answer. And she's like, okay, I'll ask someone else. And he's like, I love, we don't have to say anything. He's like, she gets us like whatever. (laughs) That felt like the start of this for me. It was like, yeah, they are so great together. I will say that I thought the commentator duo had a lot of really good lines. Um, when everything from like, what's your prediction? She's like, I stopped making predictions because that was right every time. And I felt like I was the one making these things happen. <laughs> it was very funny. Um, and then he says like angry, ugly, and dirty. He's like, which funny enough for the names of Zava's three youngest children, <laughs> which also was very good. Um, but I loved Danny's. The one I probably laughed the hardest at was Danny's line about his his oldest friend Javier. Oh yeah, <laughs> she goes, "How long have you known him?" And he said, "Only a few weeks, only a few months." But he turns a hundred and eight in a week. <laughs> he literally meant his oldest friend. Uh, I don't know why that makes said. me laugh so hard. <laughs> Everything Danny has said, this he is solely really being used as comic relief. This season. we haven't there, we haven't had much much like Danny in terms of plot, but he has absolutely been like, we need a laugh. Let's turn to Danny because he's gonna he's gonna say something funny. Like if we're if we want to roll that into just like funniest one liner or, oh. or joke, we've talked about codependence anonymous. Uh, another Jane thing is <laughs> Jane's sisters in town. No, thank you, Coach. That's the right, right answer. answer. That was the only line I wrote down for this. It was the hardest I laughed during the episode. Perfectly so delivered, funny. perfect premise, no notes. I also liked working late or hardly working because I don't think that's how that joke goes. She goes, what joke? Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Um, and the, I mean, Keely in the, in the bathroom was iconic. Why oh, don't you God. ever need skinny? It's not on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked uh, I like Zava in his post-match interview. Oh. Passion is a word we used to talk about love. 
It is also a word to describe a crime. Yeah. <laughs> Just... Zaba has been sometimes, lovely. sometimes I've a fruit. Love Zaba. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I've I've loved love Zava and Mike. Last week I was I was kind of like Roy at the board. Zava, get it into Zava. You know, Funniest corner line. Kick, Zava. kick it in for Zava. I was like Zava this Zava for this category. Zava for this. I am I am hoping that at the end of this, and I, I talked about this last week that like we're we're still positive about Zava. Like they they hinted at his instability. But, you know, before they said, you know, help, he's crazy, but it'll help us win games. I like it's a big test of the Ted thing. Like, can will Zava buy in? But there was I didn't I did write down there are some cracks between there, there's ob- the obvious friction between Jamie, who's who's now training with Roy coming for that crown. And also Zava mad at Jamie for taking a shot, which is not. Jamie's not going to respond well. Well, and the, the commentator said the whole thing too, where it's like this might have Zava wondering what he got himself into. Like, da 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 da. I do think the funniest physical bit of comedy was after one of the really hard fouls where the player grabbed him by his jersey and his shorts, <laughs> tried to pull him right back up again. Like, get up, you baby! Like, I don't know why, but that also made me really, really laugh. Um, and I loved. This isn't like a funny thing, but the way that. Imagine if Danny Rojas looked at you so angry. Like if I were Nate, I was like, oh, I would never come back. Like you can expect for some of those guys are real tough. Like Isaac, like he glares at people all the time. But imagine if Danny glared at you. <laughs> That's when you know you fucked would up. would never recover. <laughs> never. Um, the Rupert Award for the biggest villain of the episode. And I, I had, when I first made the run sheet for season three, I'd said, well, it can't be Rupert because Rupert's always a villain, but damn it. He makes it, he makes a really good case in most episodes. Um, I, I think this is a two horse race in this episode, uh, between Rupert and Shandy because, Oh yeah. Oof, Shandy stressed me out. Oh, she makes terrible choices in just like, yeah, she's, she stresses me out. She uh, the, like, the thing that stops me short of full-blown villainy is like I don't think she's intentionally cruel and I think that's an important element of being a villain. Mm-hmm. I just think she like Keely has has always had such an acute sense of like yes even with how we first met her where you know she's doing the ad dressed up like a lion and Ted's feeding her a burger and she fully acknowledges like how ridiculous it is that people pay her for things. She's always had this desire to like prove herself through hard work. And with Shandy, it's the opposite where she's not averse to hard work, but she also doesn't feel like she owes anybody anything, even Keely. And that lack of like a respect for this person who is your friend putting their neck out is, is frustrating, but it stops just short of villainy because I don't think she's purposely cruel. I think she's just really unaware yeah, I, I would, I would agree. I think that's actually, that's very astute. I, I think you're, I think you're correct. Whereas villain, Rupert is just fucking piece of shit. Like he's she just a villain. sucks. Yeah. Shandy, um, her, I don't know if incompetence is really the right word, but she's got no filter for like anything reasonable, like changing the banter tagline. Oh my, that's the kind of stuff that is like someone that deals with like social media or like multiple brand accounts or previously like overseeing other like tons of people that can write whatever they want on the internet. <laughs> You're technically in charge of them. It's a terrifying thing. Like 
I'm and actually going to change the name of the show to the Want to Bang a Rich Celebrity Podcast because three times <laughs> downloads, like I've got to get it on that. That is true, honestly. Results speak trending. for themselves. Get it trending. And so you get think like, oh, what have you done? That's such a great idea. And then, you know, you're like, well, that's horrible. Um, also, the we haven't talked about this scene yet, but the Keely realizing that Jamie is maturing scene. Also, mm-hmm. this is, a, I mean, I miss Alex every time she's not on here, but this is the i think the hottest that he has looked is when she's looking at him through the camera like mm-hmm. dude looked excellent um and, and i'm not gonna lie this is one of my anxieties though keely admiring jamie's growth and how good he's looking and so that has me especially because think about like imagine Roy and Jamie training early in, in like season one, like it just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't like, happen. They're developing this relationship with Roy as a legitimate mentor, trying to help him become, <sighs> become the best. And like, Oh, when Keely was, was admiring the growth Jamie has made, I was like, please God. I, know. No. I, God, know. I mean, I, I, to the point where at the end of the episode, when Roy shows up at Jamie's house, I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Don't. Keely's going to be there? Oh, oh, my God. I, I didn't even oh, think I about s- that. Oh, I had sir? So much, I had so much worry. Now so I, have, much worry. I already know how it ends, and I now have anxiety about that. <laughs> it's yeah. it's crazy to think about that, too, because remember, like, in season two, the whole plot was Nate was nervous to tell Roy about how he kissed Keely when they were getting fitted, and Roy didn't give a shit because he wasn't threatened at all. Like, now we've got his what has been his chief insecurity that you want to talk about, you know, we'll get to personal growth. Like, man, Roy is in a really good place. And man, this would be the perfect thing to just destroy all that progress. Oh, a hundred. I mean, a hundred percent. Yeah. Don't don't hook up with Shandy, Jamie. Don't. Yeah. Don't. I mean, yeah, I would. I mean. If if we want to just this kind of naturally rolls into the to the character that showed the most growth in this in this episode the end I don't I don't think you realize how psychologically healthy that is award I mean Jamie's <laughs> Jamie's turn has been astounding like when when Jamie speaks to the team this is right before they find out the belief sign is ripped but when he's speaking to the team and the team is taking his words yeah. like actually heeding what he is saying the it's another thing that could never have happened in season one. And he's not speaking this to be a blow. Like he is, he cares about this team. He wants to win. And it's, I mean, and it would be a big step in Jamie's development. If he's like, if he turns down Shandy eventually, like that would be, that would be something for him. I actually think that could be the thing that like drives Keely back his way is, when she's if gonna... she finds out that oh yeah no he didn't want to sleep with me and now he's completed all of the things that like healing basically narrated his growth in case anybody had missed what had happened with Jamie you had Keely provide this very succinct thing quite literally viewing him through a different lens it was all you know it was it wasn't ham-fisted but it was very clear like yeah. this is this is the one person who is most position to give us a perfect summation of just how far jamie's come yeah oh that's yeah. good i think this episode i i probably go ted then mm-hmm. jamie i feel like jamie and roy's like a, a tandem duo here because it's roy being willing to train like we said like he would not have even come remotely he refused to coach him in season two like until he said he was a you know with stupid hair whatever um 
but they're together are showing, like you just said, the growth and lead actually leading the team. But I think Ted actually calling Michelle at the end of the episode and saying, this is what bothers me about what happened. And it wasn't, I need an apology from you. It wasn't, I need you to change this thing. It wasn't, I need you to dump him. It was, I need you to know that I am pissed about this. I love you. The line where he said, we are going to share grandchildren. Mm-hmm. That I, I don't know what the couple times the, the way thing, he said it and his like charming yes yeah. there so two times I got choked up in this episode and it was Rebecca saying Oklahoma which you said like because I, I saw it as like for me that just cemented their friendship like there weren't many people that would know that from I I agree I think they are yeah. the strongest no you're friends. Ted Becca we heard yeah. you <laughs> we know what no. you're in this yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's what the Ted Becca people will grab onto. I, I agree with you. I think it is much more a, a just a, a more of an indication of what a strong friendship they have. Cause yeah. those are the only vibes I've gotten from them. Yeah. It's that deep, strong friendship. Because she came down there to try and get him to, to gauge where he was on this like revenge tour. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause she was hard. And honestly, if we want to talk about personal growth, well, I think there's a mix for Rebecca with personal growth, yeah. but overall I'd probably put her in the negative personal growth for this episode, mm-hmm. just because because, and I, I do not fault her for letting Rupert get under her skin because it's understandable. The dude is it's like Satan walking around. Like I, it's, he's the worst. Like she I, saw him again. She had to put up with losing to him. She had to put up with his smarmy, like me, like the stuff that he says when he runs into her again, um, hearing about the baby, which I think every time probably reminds her that he you know, didn't want to have a baby with her, that she doesn't have this family. Um, seeing that he's still doing the shit that he did to her, um, all of those things and still letting it get her so worked up. Like she's so mad. Like she just wants revenge on Rupert. Um, I will say in her defense on that though, Kyle made the point about facial expressions. The conversation about their kid looked easier for her than it had in the past. Like Mm -hmm. that is clearly something there. And then I think the olive branch that like, her and Beck's interaction that we yep. talked about, but her even caring enough about the next person's well-being to grab Rupert by the shirt collar and say, quit fucking around. Yeah. These people deserve better than this. Like that was a moment that was very much connected to her, but not about her. And I think that was pretty big considering the dynamic there. Well, Beck's taking the piss out of Rupert twice mm-hmm. in front of, Rebecca was was the perfect way to do it because it wasn't anything that was overly cruel like between a husband and a wife but I think she said like oh you know oh she's walking like putting around the house drooling and she's like just like your dad <laughs> like me and so that was what the first thing I think that like Rebecca laughed at and then again at the end like come on old man's past your bedtime thing um and it was it was this it was sad because it's the it's from Bex you got the and it was a very genuine co- compliment I thought where she's like your hair looks you know different or are you changing your like well, seriously like, don't change it it's wonderful whatever why why would you yeah why yeah. would and you why would you um, <laughs> but it was such a sad but well done moment between the two of them moments between the two of them because you picked up so much more than was being the facial expressions the undertones the it was almost, it felt at times like a semi-apology from Bex without ever saying anything close to I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. she just yeah. kind of was like, you put up with this for a long time and I'm kind of seeing like what 
what that is. Um. Do we think Rebecca, it, it has been a very up and down four episodes. It's, I mean, even from the first episode, her and Keely having to talk about, you know, let Ted be Ted. Rebecca clearly stressed about and, and dead set focused on beating West Ham. She's done some great things in, in these season, you know, the getting Zava that, you know, that whole thing, um, you know, still, still providing that, that comfort to Keely. Is after this, is Rebecca more in the upswing of getting back to kind of getting things stable or is, is, is it still a really trying to figure things out? Cause we've got the, the little thing when they're talking, Shani's talking about which players are participating yep, in banter, banter and she's like, Sam's not doing it anymore. Yep. I, th- I think they've kind of made it clear that that ship has sailed a little bit. She's obviously had the thing with the sidekick. Like there's, seems like there's just a lot of balls in the air emotionally for Rebecca and it, like that thing at halftime that I believe in you, like that might've been a low point. Like that was yeah. like, is she about to snap? Um, it was chaotic. So, yeah. So it's like, are we on the upswing now or is this, is, are we still, you know, kind of riding these Hills? I, th- I think it's, it's so interesting. Cause you mentioned all the balls in the air. I would love to see uh, a diagram that highlights the either like, tension or conflict or relationship point because it feels like there's so many axis characters in the show right now that are reacting to different people at different times so you kind of get different answers right like even for like someone like Nate like we saw a little bit of progress with him and Ted but we also saw the same shades of insecurity with him and Rupert with Rebecca we saw progress with how she was dealing with Ted but still and with Bex, but the same insecurity when it comes to Rupert, like everyone's kind of fighting battles on multiple fronts right now, at least the main characters. And so I think it means we're going to kind of ride a wave because they're all still not like everyone's not addressing something that's at the core of all this. And it's the reason why all of the outcomes are so hot and cold, depending on situation. They're riding a wave that will take them to Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. Hi, yes. <laughs> We love you, Ring Alex. The bell. <laughs> Ring, Nailed it. Ring the, yeah, that one. That one's for Alex. I mean, that rolling that into the food poisoning award for which episode, you know, which moment from this episode gave you the most stress? I mean, we we've kind of talked about all of them, but they, like, how do you pick one in this one? Like, there, there's, there, there's quite a bit. Um, I mean, between you know what we just talked about with Rebecca, which what Shani does to banter at the end of it, like that's going to be a shit ton of damage control for Keely. Um, you know, they, I'm just. I'm I'm just a, a puddle of anxiety right now about what's going on in the show. It's it's a really interesting really interesting point. A third of the way through the season now, and we're we're at a crossroads with a lot of this. And let's not forget we've got whatever's going to happen with with the the plot line about Colin and his sexuality. Like that's still hanging over what, what's going on. Like there there's a lot to to be unpacked. Uh, like what Carolyn, what gave you the most the most stress this episode? I think him scrolling back through the tweets with Dr. Uh, text with Dr. Jacob, because not only that'd be an incredible way to communicate with your marriage counselors, like through Twitter, like, (laughs) yeah, the tweets just going back counselors in there, sending him sweet memes. Um, I think only mostly because one, it shows the end that was a personal relationship. He has this guy's phone number, like, but also it perfectly illustrated the relationship Ted had with him because all those texts dating back to like 20 September 2019 every single one was you know see you tomorrow at 10 a.m and him just liking it zero 
conversation from Ted. Um, it was just the passive, not passive aggressive, you know, it's the, the passive uh, acceptance of the text through a, a reaction. Um, and I, that gave me watching it, like, I was just like, ooh, man, I don't know, it's, it just gave, it made me so stressed. And probably that and when they watched, when Ted specifically watched the video of Nate, because he knew the outcome, but he didn't know how Nate got there and knowing what he knew and seeing him go through the, that many struggles to like make that statement specifically with the sign, I think said put so much more on Ted that he wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. I Mike? think I think Nate and Rupert that relationship is actually causing me a lot of stress right now because we see that Nate we we talked about Nate's redeemable and Rupert's not and mm-hmm. I feel like the exit is going to be really ugly for Nate when it happens because of how cruel Rupert can be and because he is the supervillain of this show and so you can start to see the writing on the walls like as Sassy very eloquently pointed out in No Weddings and a Funeral you know <laughs> Oh yeah, having a daughter all of a sudden makes up for all the terrible things you've done to women over the years. Like you know, eat shit and die, Rupert. Like he, <laughs> there's nothing about him that's changed. And the, again, the one thing approaching a moment where Nate reached out for help and Rupert sat down and told him and reassured him, you did nothing wrong. And then immediately on the way out, reminds him of the power dynamic and that they're not equals. Like that man hasn't changed, and he is going to ruin this person that thinks that he was his savior. Mm-hmm. I think about your death every day oh, i'm i'm gonna try so to channel good. channel alex's spirit with this <laughs> i to i told you guys that, <laughs> to i told you guys funeral. that this was a great needle drop uh episode cool like that when when the richmond when richmond gets off the bus starting with zava uh joker and the thief a song i love dearly uh into the second half when they just richmond just starts playing like animals so um yeah i mean the show never misses with those no, oh. and it's and again Rupert corrects him and says, Call me Rupert there too. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um scene that we did not talk about, but I think is an interesting discussion. <laughs> um when Baz's friend comes yes! into the pub. <laughs> yes. <laughs> May is like head out. Um, I only <laughs> laugh because we had this moment in, in Slack a few weeks ago, days, I don't know probably weeks at this point where someone shared one of the am i the asshole ones and it was the person that like was watching an ncaa march madness game in their basement bar with their friends that they all went to college with and the one guy shows up with his new girlfriend they went to school with him she went to the opposing school and he showed up wearing one didn't say that she was from the opposing school shows up wearing their gear and he wears the gear of the opposing school didn't give her any warning and basically the guy was like am i the asshole for asking them to leave (laughs) he had been always like very and at first i was like man yeah not the asshole i would kick someone out like yeah. alex was like are you serious you <laughs> we had this whole thing and i was like is it excessive yes would i actually kick them out probably not but like i it was just whole and so that i think goes back to it because the guy came in and was like yeah and they were like absolutely not this is a richmond bar and while it's irrational i get it like i get it i do <laughs> like maybe i'm a psycho <laughs> I also watched Green Street Hooligans in college way too much to be comfortable being like, yeah, I'll just walk into a rival club's bar wearing the wrong, like that, nothing ever goes wrong in that regard. The little knowing look after, did anyone read into that like I did? I was like, is there, 
is like I was like so is that or I couldn't figure out if he set the guy up like to get yelled at like it was like the whole thing was a prank you know what I mean but I also was like is is I like are are they a thing like I didn't know I didn't like the vibe I got was that might have been someone that he was familiar with Mike and I are picking up on all sorts of vibes. I just and, and this the, also explains a whole lot about us. That was the sexual <laughs> tension I thought was in the episode was in that moment. Like I, I, I don't oh know goodness. how else to put it. So, <laughs> I mean, in, in the spirit of Alex, we got to we we have to we have to connect some dots, make them make some things happen, infer some things. Like we we've got to pick the up that energy. Put it put on, it the, on whiteboard. the whiteboard. <laughs> Um, what's the, uh, is, is there anything that really worked about this one that we haven't touched on yet? Check my notes. I mean, listen, there probably is, but like, um, we've hit a lot. We have hit a lot. Like the ones I had written down were oh. the, the back-to-back scenes of Rupert and Nate's conversation with Ted and Rebecca's conversation. Um, when they're both in the offices, owners talking to their coaches, just showing the difference in the bond there. And then I, I just thought Nate in the restaurant, including, oh, yeah, I bought lunch for my whole staff as this continued trying to showcase himself as someone who has clearly made it and getting that validation from a person he does not care about in the manager of the restaurant and getting completely torn down by Jade was a really, really perfect scene. And he also says, but not for the training staff, because they eat, like, cows. Yes. And they look at him like, that's rude. He goes, no, I just mean they're vegetarians. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I loved it that that was a great line by Nate. Um, I also, we forgot to talk about Roy saying, now get dressed before I start flicking your balls. <laughs> the first time he shows up at his door at 4 a.m excellent i need this newfound relationship to not be ruined i know i know i'm very invested in in that Um, and then my other two favorite things from the locker room were one i go by van damme now which is great (laughs) just all in general that was excellent um and then the entire sequence where isaac is the one that hits the sign and then it rips and then he's standing next to jamie and he like chop like hits him on the shoulder he goes what was that he's like just seeing if i have the ability to chop things in half he goes what if you could (laughs) he's like i don't know i didn't think that far he's like bruv i didn't think that through wait caroline you mentioned the announcers too that relative to van damme why does he go that we'd probably have to go in a little bit more into his childhood to find that out and they made a reference to one of his um the, they said called him like the muscles from brussels or something like that like later on so good um i think uh, we've talked about the best ted moment of the episode like it's the conversation with michelle yeah. and and the uh speaking of trees who are y'all rooting for today joke which is a gem <laughs> um best time Tom. worst time does anyone have a good time jack seems to enjoy herself does she? I don't know. I mean, I, she finds out her her dating app has been hijacked with a. I don't know that she knows. I mean, like, she didn't seem to. I don't know. Keely was all over it. She was like, "Fix it!" Like, I don't. There wasn't any scene where she was like, "You need to fix this." Like, it came to Keely. Keely mm-hmm. nips it in the bun. I don't know. I mean, 
I actually had her written down for worst time. I was like, like what she walked into, like this calamity uh-huh. with the app and the match where Richmond just comes completely unhinged on the <laughs> yeah, road. Yeah, that's fair. That's also fair. But <laughs> also, she finds out that none of you watch for all mankind. So yeah, tough, <laughs> yeah, it's tough, like she will. She will never financially recover from this. That's a tough, tough look tough, for our guys here. Um, I mean, everyone. Oh shit! Yeah, Rupert has a great time. True. Yeah. Yeah, I he, mean, he he, gets, he, he gets deals with a couple cheating, barbs, but like, but, but like, who, what's, I, what's I feel like it's not the first time that's happened to him because it no. certainly doesn't stop him. <laughs> no. um, Relative to this episode, I mean, Zoro does change his name to Van Dam and seem to very much ignore, enjoy the like newfound self confidence that comes with that yeah. before he goes berserk on the pitch. The um the restaurant owner, I think, has a pretty good time fantastic time nate shelley comes in this restaurant he's like it's on the house unless you got alcohol you got to pay for that (laughs) love that worst Um, time rebecca has a bad time oh yeah i mean everybody everybody has a bad time everybody has a bad time Mm -hmm. um the team the team has a everybody everybody has a bad a miserable time on the team yeah, um, Ted has a bad time. Sassy and probably I mean, has a pretty good time, actually. Sassy seems like she had a good time. Sassy <laughs> always has a good time. I love. Based Sassy. on what she said, she had a pretty good time. Hey, Sassy. Sassy. Hey. Sassy. I, I do love that in the um, Bill Lawrence shows, all of our, all of our like lovable kind of dopey laughing leads all very good at sex we have concrete evidence in both shrinking and ted lasso that our leads are are good bangers more yeah, more than capable lovers <laughs> yes good good for them Say, safe dick a phrase that i now know safe. thanks 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 to shrinking <laughs> That show is so good. Go watch it. The Har- Harrison Ford saying "raw dogged me" oh, has so just funny. kills me. Uh, and then when we'll, she, when he finds out what it is, and he goes, "I won't be saying that anymore." <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll save that for the shrinking pot. A, a oh show I love dearly. Um, Lenny Harris Pinchetter Award for best supporting character. I, in terms of supporting, like Nate has a very strong performance. It's not who oh, we usually yeah. done. It's a, we're, we're usually more in like the uh, we're looking for like John Malkovich and Con Air as far as the, uh, the kind of supporting performance we're looking for. But Nate, as far as like straight up great performance, Nick Muhammad is Nate as supporting characters. He was great. Yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah, yes. I would say I would say that's probably the one. Considering I let off this podcast with the boldest, bold and like completely <laughs> unlike substantiated to start why well, no actually i stand by it that he has the two best acting performances of the show but you know <laughs> maybe a bit extreme yeah. yeah um not really a big chill episode i don't think and unless uh rebecca telling rupert to to quit fucking around i did like that i mean i kind of got like i guess this is sort of playing pretty loosely with <laughs> the paradigm of this like i'm gonna I mean, we play loosely with all these categories, so by all means. <laughs> Caroline like hinted at it before. When they all walk out onto the field and give Nate the death stare going into the second half, like that was that was as unified in a different way as we've ever seen that team. And it just really well executed. Like you said, Danny Rojas was pissed off and glaring at him. Everybody was all like 
everybody was all in on protecting Ted and this thing that they had built. And there was something about that, even though the execution was kind of poor on that, it's kind of like in the replacements when they all go to jail, like they at least did it together. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, with Joker and the thief playing, I mean, that leads into terms of questions for the next episode. And Mike, something I want to ask you about, since this is the, the first episode of the season that you're on, We've gotten a lot of the hashtag sports this season more than more than I mean, we got a montage. Yeah, we have gotten, you know, th- this this last game, the the results seem to matter more. They have expanded the universe. We are actually focused a little bit on how Richmond is doing as opposed to kind of we've saved that for the end of the first two seasons. Are they getting relegated? Or are they getting promoted now? It's kind of a little more where where do you see the 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 team where do you see richmond going for the for the rest of the season because obviously we are building to a west ham rematch of some of some type yeah and i heard you guys talk about it on the last pod like my great fear is that there's a a a czar like a zava injury that's somehow built into this because they're they're a house of cards with one card as the base right now like the whiteboard was indicative of how this thing operates and as much as everyone else has made progress and maybe there's this idea of Jamie and his preparation coming to fruition in that moment, like there's all that Mm -hmm. there. That is my chief worry. But uh, so that's probably the big question is how are they going to stick the dismount with that? Because yeah, it, it has been the most, it almost seems like the show is shot different this year. Everything's sharper. And yeah. I think that especially applies Like it's been the most outside of this episode, like as far as like things that do or don't work, the, like the multiple red cards thing was a little ham fisted for me. Like <laughs> just a, just a little bit overboard. More as red far cards as execution. Goals. Yeah. Like <laughs> I understand you had a point to make and it was definitely clearly made, but that was the one part. Cause everything else, like I, I had wished I had gotten to be here earlier for, Roy's return to Chelsea like that moment with him and the security guard down on the pitch Mm. will probably be my favorite sports moment from the show but everything they've done has has hit and it's and it's cool like I heard you guys mention like how cool that we actually get the real Premier League teams fully named and talked about like we are dealing with the same you know like table and all that stuff that we get in real life it's been badass. What does it yeah. say about? I mean, I don't know much about the Premier League besides that book, Mike, that you recommended, the the club, oh. uh, which was great. But what does it say about West Ham that that the creators of Ted Lasso were like, all right, we need one team to be the be the villains. They're going to be owned by the literal devil, and West Ham was like, that'll be us. We're in. We'll do that. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> Check please. We're, we're good. Put with some it. on the map, man. Everyone knows who like Liverpool and Arsenal and. Man United, fair point. whatever you know, what yeah. I mean, like, sure, we can be. They've the... also got great bad guy colors. Yes, yeah. Like I understand you could have gone with like the red of like a Man United or Liverpool or something like that, but like, there's just something about the darker hues that make them yeah. and like you know hammers like it all is giving very Soviet like it's it's <laughs> it's very perfect bad guy energy. Yes. I'm just um, so glad that they yeah. got the Premier League to really dive into the show. Like I'm, I'm so happy. But this would, Mike, you mentioned the replacements. This would be worse if it was like the, you know, the oh, 
you know, the East Ham or something like that. It just actually having the Premier League is, is just a really nice touch. It, it works, works really well. And it um, does. It works. It works to the legitimacy of every sports conversation that gets had around this. Like they've, they've, na- they've nailed all those things so far. It's, it's been quiet. Like, I guess quietly because it's not the front facing part of what we've digested as the show's main point so far, but they really have set themselves up perfectly for this. It's earned like everything about the show is earned and the sports portion being a valid plot line now has been that slow build to making it like acceptable and something that we can believe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Carolyn, what, I mean, this will be the first episode. We don't have a screener for it. We we got to wait like everybody else. Mm. And they, we don't have the episode name. We don't have the plot for it. What, what, what will be answered in the next episode, or what needs to be addressed instantly? I think the, I think the stuff with Shandy is going to come to a head very quickly, and needs to for Keely to remain successful. Because I think it's partly like you know, like I just said, like oh, Jack doesn't really mention or address anything that's happening with Banter or whatever, but. Um, now that we know who Jack is and it feels like this extra pressure is on like this stuff is happening and it's now been a couple, a few, (laughs) maybe this is the biggest mistake, but she's obviously like asked about, she's like, no, keep your top on when selling the, like (laughs) the merch, whatever last week, whatever. So there's clearly questionable. And I think Alex hit it really well last week where she talked about like having Shandy around is like this blanket for Keely because it's someone that she knows from before that doesn't feel as like cold and clinical as like the rest of the co-workers at the PR firm that you know Jack's company put down there whatever so I think she's gonna have to figure out quickly what she wants KJPR to be and like how it's gonna operate um I also think that's going to tie in directly with the Jamie Roy Keely relationship situation because I do think that shandy's gonna make a run at jamie i have not decided well i mean that's like kind of obvious to they like set that up but i mean i haven't decided yet i haven't decided yet what i think's gonna happen there i think i think jamie's gonna turn her down and that's gonna like we talked about like lead to something with keely which that makes me want to cry mm. um or i could also see this ending up where like keely ends up with neither of them and that's totally fine like at the end of the, you know, like that the the real the real friends are the bros, you know, like the real relationship are the friends you made along the way. <laughs> but um, I think that's probably the closest because I don't think I think Ted did a good job of kind of wrapping up that portion of what was immediately on his mind, and the Nate stuff can't get wrapped up next week. Like yeah. that's just it, it can't. Like that's going to be they're not playing West Ham again next week. Like they'll just have to figure that part out. Um, so I think that's probably where I think next week might go first, but then I think about Colin again. I, that, that knowing glare from te- Trent Krim, like in the locker room when Colin. Are we seeing glare? Are we seeing glance? Glance. You... I mean, I meant glance. Oh, Sorry, I, I meant yeah. Like, I meant. I meant no. I meant glance when Colin <laughs> makes the joke about you can't have him. He's mine yeah. on TV. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like it was just like we turned it on simmer for an episode because we had to further the Ted stuff. And I think we get to turn that up to like medium high next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jacqueline sent me something today that she had seen on, on Reddit when she was diving deep on what the Ted Becca people were up to. Um, (laughs) That's someone for your service, Jacqueline, because I'm not doing that. (laughs) 
Well, someone, I mean, again, the show, everything is intentional. Early in last week's episode, uh, or maybe maybe it was the second episode. Anyways, Isaac talks about body language. He reads that Roy and Keely have broken up from body language. Isaac has seen Colin and Michael, who is, I guess, not his boyfriend, but they are certainly an item. He has seen them interact together. And someone is saying Isaac could have inferred from body language that they are an action, an item. So that that's that's a possibility too. I could see that, especially since they really, aside from that that Trent Krim glance, skipped over it this episode. Because Ted will this show will do that. This show will kick things. Yeah. You know, we'll have something like we didn't really talk about Roy and Keeley this episode. Um, we won't. I would. I would. I wouldn't be shocked if Nate is not in next week's episode. Yeah. Um. So you know, and we've got eight more to to iron things out. Um. Does anyone want to make a prediction? I, I don't feel like we've made a we made a prediction. We'd be doing Alex a disservice if someone didn't want to throw something out there. For next week? Just in general. Just in we general. Just need, we need to throw something up against the wall. <laughs> well, how does she do this every week? It's so stressful. I don't know, but I, she always she always comes up with it. Something I something I heard you guys bring up um was how they're ultimately gonna handle what goes on with Colin. And if it's going to be like a Shit's Creek idea where it's this completely normal thing, like I like I always go back to and I remember when the story was happening in real time, like when Michael Sam came out and was the first openly gay player entering into the draft, his teammates on Missouri had known for so long and it never got out. And it was such like a safe thing that they had protected yeah. for their teammate. And I'm wondering if we're going to get a very similar sentiment here where Isaac probably knows now. I think based on that, you're right. That would probably be a safe bet that especially with his role on the team, he's probably going to go from the guy that was one of like Jamie's little toadies and a bully before to being the guy that makes sure like, hey, we carve out this space to protect our brother from what, you know, if they're even, if that even is the way that they go about it. But I just, I... I think that this team is going to like move me to tears with how they handle this situation. And I'm sure it's because it's yeah. not a situation and they know yeah. that like mm-hmm. it's, it is the Shit's Creek formula of like, you're, you're our friend and this is who you like to sleep with. And that is not even a thing that warrants a conversation. We love you. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, I think, and this is partly based off because in the trailer of the show, we see Ted and Henry in the crowd at a West Ham game waving at Nate. Now, there's there's two scenarios for how that happens. One, Nate is dreaming that that happens, which I don't think is, is what happens. Or Henry comes in, in the middle of the season, and I would imagine that Michelle comes with him. And I think maybe they don't end up back together, but I do think there is a conversation that at least is like hinting at it or something of like, should we, you know, has this distance maybe, maybe helped us or, um, you know, Michelle comes shows up in London and says, I broke up with the very unethical Dr. Jacob because he's very unethical. Um, something like, you know, maybe they don't end up together, but that gets floated out there as, as that, that's something of a possibility. She brings Dr. Jacob with bring. Oh, (laughs) Revoke that man's passport. <laughs> I, I, I did, I did say I, that comparison today because John Elway just finished up his um, like consulting with the Broncos, and I said him consulting with George Payton is like 
a divorced dad coming in and helping the new husband learn his way around the house like <laughs> is a very uncomfortable vibe to what John Elway was doing there. Yes. I assume you mean Sean Payton. I don't know where you got George from. <laughs> or no, George Payton is the uh is the G- is the GM for Oh, he's consulting with the GO. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wait, so they have a George Payton at GM and a Sean Payton at coach? Yeah, but George I believe it's pronounced oh. Payton. It's P A T O N. And that's why oh. I always think it's pronounced Patton, but I'm pretty sure it's Peyton. And yeah, he took John Elway's job and then John Elway stayed on as a consultant helping the GM and now he's done. And I'm like, that seems like an unhealthy situation and I'm glad he's out of it. So yeah, that would be, that would be, that would be Ted and the doctor if they came over there, just like all four in a neat little row watching a game together. Man. Ted, them doing what they did with the video of Nate, but instead Ted telling the team right before Dr. Jacob shows up, like, yeah, my wife's, our our marriage counselor is now dating my wife and then having the whole team meet Dr. Jacob. I would enjoy that. Oh, I'm kind of surprised he didn't actually tell Rebecca when she said Oklahoma. I was like. Well, I was pretty surprised that he didn't share that tidbit. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we got eight episodes to unpack that. We this one was great. You guys are great. Uh, Mike, tell the folks where they can follow you at Gojo Show on Twitter at Mike Golick Jr. on all social media handles. Good luck and Godspeed to anyone who <laughs> enters. Caroline, tell the folks where they can follow you at CW Darney on Twitter and Instagram and uh for the win but for the win for the hashtag content and probably continuing to make um the barbie ai posters yes for the I'm, next few days. I'm aware that graphic design is your passion it is my you, passion something you can do <laughs> uh and if you enjoyed this episode of big screen sports subscribe wherever you get your podcast rate and leave a review if you're an apple podcast our next episode of the ted lasso recap will likely air not next monday but the monday after because again the screener well has run dry uh, we will have some other content coming this month. If you are a Patreon member supporting the show, we will be doing the first live. Caroline and I will be doing the first live rewatch in uh, live watch in, in big screen sports history this month. More to, more on that later. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm. It's presented by Baseball America. It comes at you every other Tuesday. For that, we will catch you when we catch you. Not sure when. Thanks for listening. <laughs>